today. Please do. If we lose the Cardinals, I don't want to lose my testimony today. But y'all also pray it's a new season. And we've still got the, that there are, are Dallas and Giants and Philadelphia fans that need to get saved, get right with the Lord. So y'all, <laughs> y'all pray. We got one more, <laughs> one more season for me. Anyways, no, I'm grateful just to gather, worship the Lord. Grateful that we can do so together. Uh, I want to thank the Lord for a couple quick things. We had training uh, the past couple days for Character Under, under Construction uh, with uh, Brother Marvin Hollifield, who will be with us tonight. He's uh, with Rock of Ages, same with uh, Brother Walter Terrell, which y'all know him, old Tater Man. Uh, so thank you guys to those who were a part of it. We had a couple of our own, uh, Tim and Ann. We had a couple others who are getting in the school, and of course Danny and, and Brenda when that time comes as well. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, pray for them and play plans tonight to come back 6.30. Uh, Brother uh, Marvin is going to present his ministry. That's what all that stuff out in, in the lobby there is for by the door. Uh, he's going to present his ministry tonight. He's also going to preach for us. And parents, if you come back tonight with your kids, he's also going to do, uh, if, as long as kids are here, he's going to do uh, one of these character under construction lessons to, for them. And as well, it's going to hopefully be a little eye-opening to those of you who may be not familiar uh, with the ministry and uh, maybe a refresher for those who are. It might spark your interest to want to get involved with it. But uh, y'all plan on being here tonight for a missionary uh, and uh, want to encourage him. And then as well, uh, membership class is starting up. For those who signed up, we got seven wanting to join the, the church and go through the membership class. That starts next Sunday for Sunday school. The room right here next door. All right, it's going to say um, it's going to say men's prayer room on it, but that's where that's going to be at. So make sure you're there and ready to go. Uh, but while I'm out for that, uh, Brother Stephen Dalton is going to be doing Sunday school for the uh, September 17th. Brother Josiah Hicks on the 24th, and then October 1st. Uh, Tony Hicks, and so y'all pray for them as they fill in, and as well, especially pray uh, for for the younger guys as they're getting their feet wet some more, and uh, y'all come and support them, encourage every single one of those guys, all right, they're willing to do what we just talked about last week, and to put their gifts, their talents, their calling from the Lord out there for you guys, and and to try to edify the body, so pray for them as well. Uh, Reminder, on uh, Friday, September 29th, we're going to have a fifth Friday family fun fling ding, we're going to have fun, 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 till we're done, done, done. Uh, we'll have a great time. Looking forward to it. If the weather is good, we'll meet outside. We'll have a bonfire and s'mores and all that stuff, have outdoor games. Uh, and then if the weather's not good, and by not good I mean raining like it is now, then we'll be inside. We'll have some board games and things like that, but uh, we'll have, have that. So bring some food, uh, drinks, games, and all that stuff to share. Reminder, uh, Friday, October 20th, and, and Saturday, October 21st, are living in spite of conference. Um, we don't have a video today. We'll play a video again next week. Uh, space it out a little bit, uh, but just to remind you guys, we ask that you, if you're planning on attending, either one, sign up on the back table that you're coming, or uh, sign up online on our website, you can register. We do that because we've got a lot of resources to buy to provide for people, and as well, a Friday evening meal and Saturday lunch meal as well for everybody. This event is free. Uh, we are inviting folks in the community. There are postcards and invitations out there for you to invite people. If you have any sorrow, trauma, trial, and that's all of us, by the way. I encourage you to make plans to be here. I know it sounds like Saturday is going to be a very long day. It starts about, it starts about 8.30, 9 o'clock, gets done by 3.30. Between every session, each session is going to be about 40 minutes, about as long as a sermon, uh, and then what's going to happen? A short sermon. <laughs> 40 minutes, uh, and then we're going to have about a 10, 15-minute break in between. And I promise you there's going to be something there for you. So make plans to, to join us. As well, there's a sign-up sheet in the back for any men interested in going to the men's prayer advance. It's going to be in Roanoke this year as normal. 
uh, through uh, Christ Life Ministries. If you got any questions, see me, but write that down. Uh, cost is going to be 200 bucks for registration and hotel, and we'll take care of covering both and, and getting both of those booked, all right? Uh, then as well today, let's read uh, Psalm 66, verse 16 through 20. The Word of God says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done for my soul. I cried unto Him with my mouth, and He was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor His mercy for me. I promise you today, from the Bible, from the authority of the Word of God, not my own, not my own thoughts, not my own opinions, not my own idea, Today, if you come by faith seeking mercy from God, there is mercy available. There is mercy that is unending, and it can reach the highest highs and the lowest lows and the farthest uh, east is from the west. The mercy of God is there and available. Would you come today, receive God's mercy, but as well today, as we hear verse 16, Come and hear all you that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done for my soul. Let me ask you today, before we stand to our feet and sing, what has the Lord God done for your soul today? What has the God done for your soul? What has Jesus Christ done for your soul? Well, if you're saved today, He saved you, He sealed you, He uses you, He's promised you so much, and we have been given an abundance of riches in Christ. Today, if the Lord has done something for your soul, which if you're saved, He has done a lot for your soul, I want us today to simply be reminded of that as we stand and we sing and we let others around us know and we tell God how good He is for what He has done for our soul. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you want to thank you for your faithfulness, grateful for your word. We're grateful that we can gather around the truth of your word today, that we can gather as brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we want to pray if there's one today who does not know you, we pray that you would redeem them, that you would save them, that you would draw them to repentance and faith, that they would see the gospel, uh, that they would see Christ today clearly, and that they would trust him completely with their life. Lord, we do pray for those uh, who are sick, those who are struggling today. Uh, we do pray, God, for the continued healing from Miss Brenda. We're grateful for how far she's come. And, Lord, that we do pray as well today that you'd open up a room and a rehab center for her, uh, even today, God, so that she could get there and to get well and to be able to get home. We do want to pray today for the preaching of your word, for the singing, for every moment of this service, for the fellowship, God, that it would be to your honor and to your glory. Lord, help us today to see what we need. And, and, and Lord, as well, help us to see all that we have been given in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and good morning. Amen. If you're able, please stand. And we'll start off here by singing hymn number 781, Face to Face. One day we're going to see our loving Savior face to face. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve tells us, For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Face to face with Christ our Savior. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face what will it be? With rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face I shall behold him, far beyond the 
the starry sky Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by What rejoicing in his presence When our banished grief or pain We shall see him in the by and by. Romans 5.20 tells us about God's grace. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I thank God for that. Grace greater than our sin. Hymn number 344. Be confident by this. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was Than snow you may be 
Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who believe You that are longing to see His face Will you this moment His grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon in that song. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Next song is No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Another comforting worded song. First Peter 5, 7 tells us that we all probably are familiar with that. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. I'm reminded of this verse almost every day especially when we go through trials and struggles and hard times. Cast your care on Jesus. He cares for us. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in Him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness We can stop here and everybody say amen to that. Amen. amen. Next verse. <laughs> All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me. And he led me in the way I ought to. Oh, how much 
soul. Amen. All right. Do not be seated. We're going to browse around if you please and shake hands, share a smile and a hug if appropriate. And let's greet everyone at this time. Now I'll give you plenty of time. All righty, let's make our way back to our seat, and thank y'all for all the greetings, and uh, we thank the Lord for being able to do that. Well, now we have a special song by Mr. Tony Hicks, and Tony, you come on. There's always one in the crowd.
Good morning. I hope everybody's happy to be in the house of the Lord. I hope this is the the best moment of your week. It should be for a Christian. But um, I'm going to sing one that uh, we all know. And uh, it talk, you know, it's, oh, how I love Jesus. And the reason why I love him is because he first loved me when I was an enemy of his. He rescued me from sin. And uh, just like to have that thought in mind this morning. Press the button the wrong way and cut it off. I meant to cut it on. But anyway, I'm human. I make mistakes. I, I know y'all don't, but I do. I admit it. 
Amen. Good to be in the Lord's house. Thank you for that song. Reminds us of First John four nineteen. We love Him because He first loved us. With that thought in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. This is the day you made, and we we rejoice and are glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for that song that we just sung. Lord, uh, how much you love us, and we are reminded of that. And thank you for the melody that's in the song, this cheerful melody and uh, pleasant to hear. But most importantly, it's the message that you love us so much, enough to die for us, die for a sinful world. How much love is that? One that cannot be measured. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us on the cross of Calvary. And, Lord, you didn't stay on the cross. Lord, they buried you, and you raised from the dead the third day, and we praise you and thank you for that. What victory we have in that resurrection. Lord, we come to you now and ask on behalf, Lord, for our pastor. We ask, Lord, you to strengthen him, bless him, and use him, Lord, in a great and mighty way as he brings the word of God in the form of preaching here today. And we ask, Lord, that you just help him. We pray, Lord, that we'd sense your presence in the preaching. We pray, Lord, we'd be convicted from the preaching. Yet, at the same time, be encouraged by the preaching of your word. And, Lord, may your name be magnified. May be it be exalted from the word of God today. Because it is you, Lord, the word of God. And, uh, Lord, that encourages, that convicts, and yet saves. And we praise you for that. Please, please help our pastor. And now, Lord, as we continue in singing, you continue to bless. And we pray that all, all preaching, singing, and every word spoken bring honor and glory to you. For you're the reason we're here. And we love you. And thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you're able, please stand. Christ, our hope in life and death. Colossians 1.27 tells us, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, our hope in life and death. True. 
double soul. God is good, God is good, for is his grace and goodness known in our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trials, who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of prize. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, there we will rise to meet the Lord, then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy. When Christ is ours forevermore, oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and seated. And now our pastor. Well, I'm just so grateful how God puts songs together and we could blame JL for it, but we don't want to give him that much credit, do we? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for JL for being obedient to the Lord, but as well, uh, just how God puts a, a song on, on uh, Special's heart to give us what we need today, to, just to show us Hey, if you don't know anything, I think you ought to at least know this much from the singing today. Jesus Christ loves you today. And truthfully, I don't know that there's anything more simple. And I don't know that there's anything more profound. I don't know there's anything higher than that. I don't know if there's anything deeper than that. I don't know if there's anything wider than that. Jesus Christ loves you today. And today, those of us who have trusted in Jesus, uh, that we now have Him as our hope and life and death, Every moment of our life belongs to Christ. Every moment of our life is for Christ. Every moment of our life is to lead us to Christ. And what we find is that Christ becomes our very life. 
And He's the life of every individual Christian. He's the life of the church. He is what our life is centered on. He's what the church is centered on. We belong to Jesus Christ, and He loves us so today. Take your Bible. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. We've been looking now uh, at the beauty of Christ's church, and I hope, and I don't know because I ain't had nobody told me or not, but that's all right. But I hope that through these messages that you have learned to see the beauty of Christ's church some more. I hope that church and gathering with the church and being a part of the church and your hunger and thirst to be a part of this local body, I hope that your love for her has increased all the more. Uh, how many of y'all are married today? You married folk? All right. Do you love your spouse more today than you did when you got married? Okay, sometimes. Well, that's all right. Uh, you're supposed to, ain't you? Today we're going to look at that. You want to know why we're supposed to love our spouse more? Because we grow to know them more. Today we're going to look at something else that makes the church so beautiful. Last week we dealt with the beauty of the Christ church being the ministry of the body. Today we're going to look at the maturing of the body. We are to mature not just merely as we grow up or as we get older, but to mature in a depth and a height and a breadth of knowing Christ and making Him known. And every part of our life is ultimately for us to know Him more. It is God's will for your life. How many of y'all want to know God's will for your life? Well, of course, all of us do. Here's God's will for your life. You ready? I'm no prophet neither or crystal ball reader. I want you to know God's will for your life is that you would be mature, built up in Him. Well, what is God's will for His church? Is it for it to be the, the biggest one on the block? Is it for Victory Way, for God's will for his, for our, our church here? Is it for us to be the biggest one on the block? Is it for us to be... I want you to know, it's too mature. It's to simply grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to read today verses 12-16, through 16, and that's what we're going to cover. And see the maturing of the body of Christ today. Now, I would go ahead and go ahead and say this today. Those of us who are willing to say, and to be bold in saying, I'm a mature Christian today. We've got some learning to do, don't we? What we find is that we are all growing, all maturing, and we are all at different steps and different walks in our Christian walk and our faith. And so we are all to be growing and all to be maturing. But I want to go ahead and encourage you this before we get too deep this morning. Those of you who have matured and are maturing in the faith, those of you who got some spiritual gray hairs about you, if you know, you know what I mean. Now here's what that means here. If that is you today, I want you to look around and I want you to see that there is a host of believers who are babies, who are toddlers, who are children, and they need you now more than ever. They need you now. The Bible tells us, verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, that's everybody, till we all, the whole church, every believer, come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of, of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, 
maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to You today. We want to thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You, Lord, for Your love for us. That we were to sing of it this morning. That we were to be reminded and assured of such. I pray that today, if there's one who does not know You as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that You would draw them to repentance and faith. Show them Your great love. Show them the sacrifice of Your Son, Jesus. Lord, show them their need to put their trust in Him alone for salvation. God, I pray that You would guard my mind, my heart, my tongue, Lord, that it would be You who gives Your message to Your people. God, that You would open up Your Word to us, open up our hearts to Your Word. And God, that we would receive today all things by faith, that we would mature, and God, that we would seek to obey Your Word, that we would see the beauty of Christ's church today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many of you, when you were a kid, used to say something like this? I can't wait to grow up. Uh Uh-huh. I can't wait to get big. I can't wait till I can do what I want to do. (laughs) Joke's on us, right? Yeah. All of us wanted to grow up. All of us, we used to say, I can't wait till I grow up. But I never said it as a kid. I never heard any of my friends say, I can't wait to be big and mature. No. I never heard anyone say, I can't wait to do mature adult things. We just wanted the freedom of being an adult. Wanted to be big and not have to use a stepladder for everything. And some of y'all still have to use stepladder for everything. Joke's still there, right? Now here's what we see. All of us wanted to grow up. Very few of us really wanted to mature. And some of us still are big kids at heart. And I don't think there's necessarily a whole lot wrong with that. We ought to enjoy the life that God has given to us. Nevertheless, when it comes to spiritual things, we should not enjoy being immature. Let me ask you. Now that you're an adult and you go in the workplace, do you like those workers who are immature and everything that they do? You like those young, immature, uh, th- those immature uh, that are always playing pranks, never paying attention, never getting the job done, missing the detail. Do you like that? you like immaturity? No, not anymore. Why? Because we've grown in maturity. Now here's what we've got to understand. The body of Christ will only ever move as far as it matures. It will only go as far as it grows. Now, we've got to understand that growth is not merely a test of how many are going there, how many are attending there, how much money is in the bank, or how many ministries or activities are going on. Growth is the idea of growing in maturity and in knowledge. If we don't grow ourselves, we will not be able to help others grow. We have got to be able to grow ourselves and to be mature ourselves in order to see others come to mature like faith. Now, spiritual immaturity today, it creates spiritual inactivity. Here's what spiritual immaturity does. Spiritual immaturity sits and sours. Spiritual immaturity merely attends a service as an event and not attending as a member who is engaged with the other brothers and sisters in Christ, who is engaged with the body of Christ. That's what immaturity does. Immaturity leaves the church when things get hard and goes to another church where things might get easy, but then they'll be easy for a little while, then they'll get hard and you won't like it, then you'll go somewhere else. That's immaturity. Maturity sticks with the stuff. Maturity sticks to the body. Maturity grows in the grace and knowledge. Maturity takes time, doesn't it? It is said statistically that young ladies mature faster than young men. That's right. (laughs) Young men, older men, we're about half crazy. By crazy, I mean foolish, borderline insane or dumb. We do some dumb stuff as human beings. We've got some maturing to do. When it comes to spiritual things, we do some spiritually dumb stuff. We do some spiritually immature things. We do some spiritually unhealthy things. And why do we do that? We do that because 
there's still yet some maturing that needs done. The issue of the day is that immaturity is a plague in the modern day church. And we have become content to be immature. Here's what happens though, we've got one of a couple dangers. Either one, we become content with being immature because we go, well, the more I know, the more will be required of me. And that's true. But then we've got another group that gets upset when there's a baby in the church. What I mean by that is not when there's a baby that cries in the service. Matter of fact, we could use more of it. I'd be fine with just that. I can preach louder than a baby can cry. and I, If they can cry loud, I'll, I'll preach loud. That's fine. But when we get upset that a new believer doesn't know what an older, mature believer knows. Let me ask you, when you got saved, did you know all that you needed to know about Jesus? No. Nope. You know what you knew to get saved? I know that I need Jesus. I know, and the only thing I know, is that I'm lost and He's the only one that can save me. He's the only one that can change my life. I'm dead, and I'm the, He's the only one that can give me life. So I'm going to trust Him. After that, we are spending our entire life of maturing and a knowledge of who Christ is. Here's what we see. that The Christian and the church are both designed to mature, to be grown, to be built up in Christ, by Christ, and for Christ. That ultimately the ministry of the body of Christ that we talked about last week is for the maturing of the body. Why does God want to use you? Why does God want to give you gifts and talents as we've talked about in this passage already? Well, He tells us, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, a mature, a complete, a full-grown man is the idea. Why has God gifted you with what He's gifted you with? Why has God allowed you to be here? Why has God brought you to this place? It is for the maturing and the edifying of the whole body together. So, dear believer that gets upset that a new believer doesn't know what to do, how to act, how to talk, how to dress, all those things, right? And most of those are preferences, by the way. We could do that with another day. We ought not get so upset at them. Rather, we ought to go, hey, brother, let me show you. Let me help you. You say, well, no one helped me. Well, that's a failure on men. But Jesus did not fail. And Jesus called us to not fail in this either. If you want maturity, the Lord is offering it to us today. Now we are fine with saying things like, you will be as close to God as you want to be. I would say today that you will, you will be as mature in Christ as you want to be. We have an opportunity to mature together. That's why we have four servers a week, Bible studies throughout the week. We have opportunity and time to serve together because it is in the service and the fellowship and the worship and the discipleship, all this, that we learn to mature. We don't mature if we're not worshiping. We don't mature if we're not being discipled and making disciples. Uh, that's the idea of helping others to mature as well. We don't mature if we're not engaged in fellowship. Immature believers don't like Christian fellowship. Uh, mature believers then go out and they reach out to their community. They reach out to their family and their friends. They go with the gospel. Immature believers don't share the gospel. Immature believers don't fellowship in the gospel. Immature believers don't grow in the gospel. And immature believers don't thank God for the gospel. What we need is maturity. The local church will only be as mature as the individual Christians in it. However, the Christian needs the ministry of the church to develop and maturity. The two are codependent. So here's what we need. If you want a mature church that is on the move with the gospel of God for the glory of God, then we need as an individual to grow in maturity and to help others to grow in maturity. What we find is that you need and I need the church and the church needs us. The church needs you at your best. The church needs me at my best. And ultimately what we find is that we need the church to be at her best. 
Christ is always at His best. But we need the church to be at her best. At her best. And how will the church be at her best? When every one of us simply says yes to Christ today, yields to Him, yields to His Word, yields to His Spirit, and simply begins to obey the truth by faith that He's given to us in mature fashion. The beauty of Christ's church can be seen in the continued faithful maturing of the body. This is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day progression of faith. How many of y'all matured overnight? No? Now, I think my mama probably thought that my feet and my clothes and my body was growing overnight because there were some times where you wake up and I'm about two inches taller and I wear the sizes too big, right? And so we see we can grow that way, but I want you to know a church does not grow overnight and a Christian does not mature overnight. You've heard it said Rome wasn't built in a day and a mature Christian does not become mature by going to bed one night after church on a Sunday and wake up the next day going, well, I can tell you all of these dispensations and I can tell you all these. No, it doesn't work that way. It takes time. Let me ask you today before we get any further, are you willing to give it the time it takes? Are you willing to give it the time it takes for new believers? Are you willing to give it the time it takes for the church? I believe that God is building His church and maturing His church. Why? So that then we can reach others and have them mature as well. As we are being discipled by the Lord and His Word, we then are empowered to disciple others. But if thus that first one happens, we won't be able to do the second. Now, spiritual maturity is the true measure of godliness and faithfulness. Spiritual mature people don't have to explain how godly they are, nor do they have to explain how faithful they are. As a matter of fact, a mark of maturity is going to be humility and faith. It will be consistency. It will be slow. It will be often immeasurable from our eyes. There are some times that we won't think that we're growing, and we are. Right now, there are folks who would look at the church, look at Victory Way, and would go, I don't think we're growing. But if you're here on a Sunday morning, but you're not on a Wednesday night, and you listen to folks who interact with the message and are learning and growing, of course you're not going to think we're growing. Growing doesn't come from attendance. Growing comes from a commitment to the Gospel. Growing comes from a continued, faithful, daily, maturing process that we often don't see. But this is why we trust Him because God sees the work that He's doing in His church. So I will trust His eyes and not mine. I will trust His hands and not mine. I will trust His heart and His love and not my heart or my love. Attendance and activity do not define the maturity of the Christian nor the church. What we find is that our attitude shows our maturity. What is your attitude when it comes to worship? That shows your maturity. What is your attitude when it comes to discipleship? Not only being a disciple, but making disciples. That shows your maturity. What is your attitude when it comes to Christian fellowship? Being a part of the gathering of the local body and loving the brethren and the sistren. That's your maturity. What is your attitude when it comes to reaching out to the lost? Are there some that you're not willing to reach out to because they're just too far gone? Are there some that you're embarrassed to reach out to because of what they might think of you? Are there a multitude of those sorts of things? That shows our maturity. Our attitudes tell us. Today, we're going to see that the maturing of the body produces usability, understanding, and unity for each believer within the whole body. Notice, Your Christian life and mine, as we've talked about, it belongs in a greater body. You are not saved unto yourself. You are saved unto the body of Christ for the edification of Christ's church. 
God wants to use you to help make her more beautiful. First of all, verse number 12, we're going to see the maturing and usability. Here we had dealt with verses 1 through 11. We saw this unity in the making of the body. Uh, we talked about this humility and the way in which we are to walk worthy of the vocation worth we are called. And then we dealt with the unity of which we have. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Then we dealt with the fact that Christ has given us by His grace giftings for what? For the body. Matter of fact, he gave in verse 11 some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing, for the equipping of the saints is the idea they are perfecting, and for the work of the ministry. Why? Not so that the pastor and the deacons would do all the work of the ministry, but our job is to then equip you to do all the work of the ministry. Most ministry should be done by people in the congregation and not by the preacher. That doesn't mean I work one hour a week and does not mean I put in the hours of the time, but my hours and my time is to help you and equip you to do the work that God has called you and given you a grace to do. Now with this, notice the end of, of verse 12. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We are either right now in the process of edifying uh, the body of Christ as an individual, or we are extinguishing her work. We want to be edifying. We need to be edifying. And mature believers learn and mature in a usability for God. Maturing and growing brings about more responsibilities. Think about this. As a child grows, responsibility is given to them as they mature. How many of y'all had chores growing up? How many of y'all volunteered for those chores growing up? Okay, maybe a couple of you, right? Y'all were the crazy ones. The rest of us were normal kids, and we didn't like doing chores. Now here, here's what happens. Do you expect your two-year-old to cut the grass? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. He grew up maybe like I did. You ain't got a job yet. Get moved out. What's your problem? Right. No. Think about this. What, what's some of the first things that you give to your child as they mature? First thing that you probably start having them do, a responsibility of your, your child, is they start to do what? They start to feed themselves. Now, they don't start changing their own diaper, right? But they can start telling you when they need a diaper change. That's a good thing, right? That's maturing, isn't it? They start to feed themselves. They start using their hands. Then they start using utensils, right? Then they start taking the food and going, oh, if I take this spoon, I can flick them peas, right? So we see this. they got some maturing to do. What else do we find about young people, right? And by the way, we laugh, but this was all of us. A child begins then to feed themselves. There's their responsibility. Then we have potty training. Now they're not only responsible to say, hey, I need a new diaper, Mom, Mom and Dad. But now they're responsible going, i got to go potty, Mom and Dad, and i got to get there now, right? And that child is always urgent. And then what happens? As they grow a little bit more, they've already begun at this point to learn the responsibility of picking up and cleaning up their toys and their messes. They start learning the responsibility of saying yes and no and please and thank you. And if they're not learning those things, then we're messing up here, right? We, mom and dad's got to be the ones to teach the child to mature or else the child will never mature. But in order for the parents to teach the child to mature, the parents have to be Mature. It shouldn't be babies raising babies, right? It don't work that good, does it? He goes on and we have to see as the child continues to grow up, now they're cleaning their room, now they're walking the dog, and now in the Hicks household, they're cutting grass in the neighbor's grass, right? All for free, right? They're putting overtime in. Then it leads to more household chores and eventually to mature adulthood where they get a job, they go out into the world, and they leave 
And they start a family and they do the same thing. Why? Because that's the maturing process. But notice this, you didn't expect your baby to be able to do all those things quite yet. So we must do the same spiritually. What we find though is that the more that we grow, the more is required and expected of us as believers. Senior saints today, this, this part of the message is a little bit for you this morning. Those of you who have grown up in maturity, those of you who might have been uh, in danger of saying phrases like, well, you know, it's not my time anymore. I want you to know if you are alive today, it is still your time. I, I want you to know this morning that just because you got some age, dear believer, that God is not done using you. If He was, you would not be here. As a matter of fact, as long as you were here, you have a use for God's purpose. You have a use to edify and build the body. And one of the greatest ways, I mean one of the most important ways, one of the most distinct ways that you as a mature Christian can help and be of service and use ability to God is to look at these young families, to look at these young kids running around, and to be a blessing, not a burden to them. Be a help to them. Be an encouragement to them. Don't be just the one that tells them to quit running and take off your hat. and Be the one to help them. Be the one that these young people look up to and these young families where they grew up. How many of y'all grew up and you got an older person in your life in church that you still look up to? Maybe they're going to be with the Lord, but you remember them, right? There's a whole bunch that I've heard about here in Victory Way. i got a bunch in my life, right? They were your grandmas and your grandpas in the faith, and they meant the world to you. Why? Because they showed you that they cared, and they showed you how to walk the walk. There are some godly men and godly women out there, and I wonder, are we willing to do what it takes to be that for somebody else? Not that our name would be remembered forever and stuck on a plaque and everybody would ooh and ah over how great we were, but they would see that through us that anybody and everybody can be used of God for the building of the body of Christ. Mature believers in mature churches, what we find is that every believer has already been equipped and enabled for the work of the ministry to the edification of the whole body. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. He tells in verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. We go, that's great. We always quote that, but we forget. He has not merely just saved us to save us for salvation's sake, but He saved us to serve, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That comes after salvation, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The idea of walk over and over again in the book of Ephesians is this idea of maturing, this idea of a daily walk in life with Christ. We then find in chapter 4, verse 7, but unto every one of us is grace, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. None of us in here today can say, well, the Lord didn't give me any gifts. He did. If you don't have any gifts, then you better check up on salvation. Why? Because those of us who have been saved, have been saved to serve, have been equipped to serve. God has blessed you, dear believer, with something to offer to the body of Christ, something to offer to the rest, something to offer to the, mature, to the immature believer, to the one that's growing up. Verse number 12, we then see for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is accomplished by biblical preaching and shepherding and exercising of the spiritual gifts by God's grace by the entire body, every believer. It goes on and we understand this. Every believer is expected to be useful for God's glory and the building of the body. You know what we do with things are no longer useful in our home? We put them away in a junk pile or a junk closet. We've got several piles. We've got a goodwill pile. We've got a pile that is a throwaway pile. We've got another pile that is a, well, I'm going to keep it. I'm just not using it right now pile, right? And that's what eventually turns into the yard sale pile, 
right? Or the flea market pile, or the I'm going to give this away, or I'm going to drive by the church and throw it in the dumpster while nobody's looking pile, right? We get all sorts of piles, all sorts of things. Here's what we've got to see. As we mature, it should be expected of us to be used all the more. But things that aren't used become totally unuseful and unfruitful and unhelpful. And Dear believer, that does not need to be us today. It should not be that any of us even are made to feel that way, let alone should even think that way. Today, it, it does not matter how old or young or in between you are, you have a purpose today to build the body of Christ, to help her mature to completion. God uses each believer to mature and build his body to build the church. Each believer has been given these spiritual gifts, and by giving of these gifts, the Lord expects and requires us to use them. What a waste it is to waste the gifts and grace of God. What a waste it is to waste the time He's given us. What a waste it is to waste the resources He's given us. What a waste it is to waste the opportunities to gather with the church and to fellowship with one another and to encourage one another and to express and to share what God has done in our soul. There is no exceptions for this. When God is done using someone, they leave this world. And by the way, many of us have started believing a lie that God no longer uses us or that God has put us on a shelf. Most of us have put ourselves on a shelf. We've said, I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too weak. I'm too feeble. I'm too struggling. I want you to know there's someone else that's struggling, and if you're struggling, you can help them through that struggle because you've been there, done that, and you got the shirt and the hat to match. Be there for them. You see, as we mature in faith of Christ, we should become more usable and more used. There's a danger when a new believer gets saved and we go, Hey, have you seen the sign-up sheets in the back of the church? I think you're just the person to put your name on every single one of them. So I could take a rest. Now, we all need a rest from the work of the ministry, but I want you to know this. When we dump everything onto a new believer, it is no wonder they burn out, fizzle out, and drop out. What we need to do is we need to still be the ones to say, I'm willing, but let me show you. You ever had someone... Maybe mom, dad, right? They show you how to bake something. They show you how to change oil. How'd they do it? They give you a YouTube video. Well, nowadays you can do that, but what they do? Hey, come here. Let me show you something. I want to show you how to do this. You know how hard it is to do that? Not very. But you know how helpful it is to do that? Come, let me show you. Let me walk with you. And here's the thing. If we still stay so far away from one another, we'll miss out on all of the opportunity that God has given us to help one another. The more mature we are in Christ, the more we should accomplish for Christ. The more mature should help others to mature. That should be our usability. Maturity goes up. What else do we find? Our service should be going up. Our helpfulness and our usefulness should be going up. Dear older saint of God, do not quit on the serving the Lord. Now is the time more than ever to serve the Lord. Furthermore, we find that we are to all mature in an understanding of the Lord. Verse 13 through 15. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, which you've already seen, we have united together in Christ, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all these things. He says, and of a knowledge of the Son 
of God. Not knowledge about the Son of God, but knowledge of. A knowledge about is merely just an intellectual and academic knowledge. But a knowledge of is a close, intimate fellowship, relationship, and walk with the Lord. Do you have that today? Every believer ought to be developing and maturing in our closeness with Him. Just a closer walk with Thee. I need Thee every hour. We sing songs about it and we desperately need to grow in our maturity of a knowing who Jesus Christ is unto a perfect man, to our maturity, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ has been given to every believer. It's not been reserved for these special forces believers. No, there are none. It is for all believers to be filled. How do we know? Well, he's already talked about this in Ephesians. In chapter 3, verse 19, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge is beyond knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. But that might depends upon your if and your decision and your choice by faith to either trust the Lord or to go on your own way. Mature believers in churches grow in an understanding of faith and usefulness by faith. Every believer has something to learn. Every believer should be teachable. Every pastor needs a pastor. Every believer needs uh, someone in their life to teach them, but every believer, every one of us, myself included, we've got to be teachable or we'll never learn. And when we stop learning, we stop living. When we stop learning, we stop loving the Lord. We stop loving His people. We stop loving the world that is lost and in need of salvation. The knowledge of Christ. We find is that mature believers and churches grow in an understanding of faith and usefulness by faith. And here, as Major Ian Thomas wrote, Jesus Christ Himself is the final exegesis of all truth. He is all that we need to know about God, and He is all that we need to know about man. If you want to mature today, do not look to yourself. Do not even look to me. Do not look to anyone else in the church for that matter. Look to Christ. Now here's the thing. You say, well, what about looking to someone else in church for an example, for a help, for someone to help disciple me? Look to the ones who are walking with Christ. Look to the ones who are looking to Jesus. And make sure that you, dear believer, are one who is following Christ, who is walking with Christ, who is looking to Christ. A knowledge of the Son of God is both educational and experiential by faith. The Apostle Paul says an awful lot in the New Testament, I would not have you be ignorant. God would not have you be ignorant about an awful lot, dear believer. And I want you to know, we have a a multitude of resources and studies and opportunities to gather together and to, to grow in a knowledge of who God is and what He's done for us. And we ought not waste those things. As a matter of fact, we find that faith apprehends spiritual education and then applies it to faithful experience. Now, we must be careful because we either live in two camps. We either live in the educational, the academic, the intellectual world that goes, I can tell you every doctrine, I can tell you every story, I can tell you every account, I can tell you every prophecy, I can tell you every single statement of faith that I've got that I line up here, right? We ought to know what we believe and why we believe it. That's the problem with most Bible-believing Christians today is they don't know why they believe things. You ought to give and have that answer in order to give not only what you believe, but why you believe it. And I can't do that for, that for you. You must do that for yourself. But there's, no, there's another group as well of another extreme. They don't care about learning anything here. They don't care about doing any thinking or in-depth study of the Word of God. It's all about experience. It's all about getting the, the tinglys on the back of the neck. It's all about emotion. And here's what we find. The truth of God should change and dictate our emotions. If when we sing the truth of God's Word as we've done this morning, if that does not 
help your heart today, then you've got a heart problem. We find this for the believers that when we hear the truth of God sung out by a congregation, sung out by uh, someone given a special, when we hear the word of God and the truth of God's word being preached, it should change our heart. It should melt our heart of stone. It should uh, have our hearts want to yield and fall in love all the more with Christ our first love. But the experience of such should be coming from the truth of God's Word. And what we find is that we either want to live in the world that knows all the answers and is super smart but has no love, or we want to live in the place that is all loving and has no thoughts whatsoever. Ignorance is bliss. Not so much, is it? To know Christ is to trust Christ. Let me ask you today, do you know Christ more today than yesterday? We ought to know Him more now than we did even this morning. Not know about, but know of. We should be a step closer with the Lord today than we were yesterday. You say, well, what if I was already walking closer to the Lord? Then grab His hand. We should be in fellowship with the Lord. Here's what else we find. We find that just over a couple pages, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or mature or complete, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended. He says, I ain't arrived yet. Mature believers know they ain't arrived yet. He says, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth on those things which are before. Mature believers press on mature believers learn from mistakes learn from the past but keep their eyes by faith on the future he says i press toward the mark the prize the high calling of god in christ Jesus. let us therefore as many as be perfect as those who many be mature be thus minded and if in anything you be otherwise minded god shall reveal even this in you are we growing in maturity are we growing in an understanding of the lord i get real concerned when believers don't want to learn more about the Bible. I'm very concerned for believers that don't want to read or to study or to rightly divide the word truth. They just go, well, I, I can't understand it. If you are saved today, you have been given the equipment. First of all, the Holy Ghost of God who lives and dwells every believer. He's the, he is the teacher. He is the greatest teacher. No one teaches the Word of God like the one who inspired and breathed out the Word of God. You have been given what you need to know Christ. It is a grave concern when we start to think either one, that we've got nothing else that we can really learn, or when we think that we can't learn at all. See, our walk, as we see here, is the outward expression of our education and experience of knowing and walking with Christ. The walk is the sum of our very substance of faith, of knowing Him. And we are to come into this unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto maturity, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Notice the idea of, of this walk. Chapter one, walk. Uh, chapter four, verse one, walk worthy of the vocation with ye are called. Verse seventeen. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And chapter five, verse two. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Chapter eight. I mean, chapter five, verse eight. 
but you were sometimes in darkness, but now are you the light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. How do we do those things? By maturing in a knowledge of the Son of God. The more I know Jesus, the more I will live and obey what Jesus has commanded. The more I will love Jesus. The more I will love the people that Jesus died for. I want to give you a practical understanding of this that He gives to us here in verse 14 and 15. First of all, this practical understanding of what it means to know Christ, it comes in first the negative side. Essentially this in my own terms here, verse 14, He's saying don't be a baby and don't be unstable. What are babies? Well, they're babies. What do they grow up into? You say, ugly adults. No. <laughs> Long before they get there, what do they turn into? What's the next stage? Toddlers, right? Get to toddlers. How many got some toddlers? Right? Yeah, that's right. You can tell because they got the circles under their eyes. Right? <laughs> toddlers, what do they do? They toddle about. They're unstable when they walk. They're un. Stable when they talk. They're unstable in a lot of ways. Uh, they, don't, ain't, they ain't quite got it all figured out yet, do they? They're, they're still figuring out the walking part. If they lean their head too far this way, they're going to keep on going, right? I, I about did there too. I might be a toddler. The negative side of this. He says that we henceforth be no more children. Now, does that mean you're not a child of God? No, it means that a child of God is not to stay a a, a spiritual, immature child that merely toddles about and makes messes in their diaper and needs someone else to feed them. Here's what it means. God does not call us to be a baby or an immature infant. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 tell us this, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. What do you give a baby? I fed you with milk. And not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither ye, uh, neither yet now are ye able. When you first get saved, you can't handle meat. You can't, you can't give uh, a three-month-old a bowl of pot roast, can you? You can't. Closest thing is you can stick some bacon grease in their bottle. That's it. Here's what you know. We know that they're not ready for it. They can't handle it yet. Still drinking milk. Sadly, there's some who've been saved for decades and can only handle milk. One thing that I was told all the time as a kid is, your taste buds are going to change. You're going to start liking this old people food. I used to hate vegetables. I used to hate squash and onions, tomatoes. I used to hate all this liver, and all this, right? All that stuff. Some of y'all still don't like it. I said, your taste buds are changing. Mm-mm. And now, I'm basically an old man. I eat cottage cheese for breakfast, oatmeal. Anyone else? Okay, a couple of you. Most everybody else uh, is already starting to get stuff in the mail from AARP, right? Or already has gotten it. Your taste buds change. Your maturity changes. Dear Christian, if all you want is the milk, you're missing out on a whole lot of good stuff. I think about those poor souls that only eat vegetables. Y'all know who I'm talking about? The people live out in Floyd? They're missing out on cheeseburgers, bacon, sausage, missing out on chicken sandwiches, some Chick-fil-A. 
You know they put pimento cheese on Chick-fil-A sandwiches now at Chick-fil-A? It got better. Now why do I say all that? Because our taste buds ought to mature. God has much more for you, dear believer, than a little bit of milk or formula. He's got meat and taters. He's got veggies. He's got it all for you. He wants you to grow into maturity. Furthermore, Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Dear believer, the longer that you are saved, the more that you should be able to teach others to know. You ought to be able to teach others to know Christ, to walk with Christ. Let them learn from your mistakes. Let them learn from your victories. Let them learn from you. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Mature Christians eat the meat of the word and discern good and evil. Immature new babes in Christ drink the milk and are still figuring out right versus wrong. Even the figuring out their right versus their left and everything. We must help them. God desires that we would mature, that we would be stable. He says, <coughs> that not only that we'd be no more children, he says, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrines, this idea of this great storm, this great wind that comes blowing through. Now, on a windy day, if you're standing outside and a gust comes through, it'll kind of move you, won't you, right? You feel that? You're going down, you're going up 77 and you're crossing over the river, and what happens? A big gust comes through, and no matter what you're driving, you can feel it in your car, can't you, right? You can feel the motion, you can feel it in anything. You feel that wind. Now here's the idea, is that we're not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craziness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Meaning the older saints of God should not be deceived by the things of the world. You want to know who gives the most to false teachers on TV? Older folks. People on fixed incomes tie the most. But people on fixed incomes give the most money to false prophets and teachers who promise all these things. We should be able to discern that better, shouldn't we? This is the importance of being in a local church. This is the importance of being under sound preaching. This is the importance of being in your own Christian walk, drinking and eating from the bread and water of life of Christ daily in your walk with Him. The deeper our understanding of Christ, the more discerning we become. And here's the positive side, he says. Not only that we wouldn't be a babe anymore, not only that we wouldn't be thrown around like a rag doll in the wind of false doctrine and false teaching and craftiness and deception, but he says then that we mature and we learn the positive side, which is to speak the truth in love. You'll never learn to love until you know the truth and learn to love the truth. And here's what happens, is that we've got a whole lot of folks who are all truth and no love, We've got a whole lot of folks that are all love and no truth. And the Bible says that the mature Christian speaks the truth in love. Why? Because the mature Christian loves the truth. And what does the truth do? The truth teaches us to love. The two go hand in hand. Truth and love are married together and are married to the individual believer and corporate body. You will not and should not have one without the other. So this is a danger for those who focus only on truth 
only on the academic, only on the intellectual. They are in danger because the vast majority of them become prideful, puffed up, full of knowledge, and yet without love and a care. The Apostle Paul talked about it, and he said, I could speak in tongues, I could prophesy, I could do it a whole lot, but if I ain't got love, it ain't worth a hoot. That's Pastor Joe's version, and it's a little bit different. Go read 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see. But nevertheless, we'll be fine. we got another side that says, well, you know, truth doesn't really matter. It's just, you know, whatever you believe, just, just love people. Well, can't do that. We need the truth. But we need the truth to bring our hearts to love. And if the truth, dear believer, has stopped causing your heart to love, there is something deeper going on there. What we need is that because we love the truth, because we love the God of truth who gave us His truth, it should teach us to obey the truth in a loving way to speak it to those who are within the body for the edification of the body and to those who are without the body so that they would be saved and born again and brought into the body. Truth and love characterize the Christian and they were to characterize the church. It has been said, I would love to be a loving church. Others say, I would love to be a truthful church. I would love to be a church that loves the truth and the truth sets us free to love the world, to love those who need Christ. We need both. Faith causes us to love the truth and leads us to speak the truth and love. The two belong together. Mature believers know how to handle the truth. They know how to rightly divide the word of truth and they know how to speak it lovingly. And sometimes speaking the truth in love is not saying anything at all. Sometimes speaking the truth in love is knowing when to... Sometimes speaking the truth in love looks like being able to have a conversation over a cup of coffee with somebody that you deeply care for and to let them know, hey, I love you. And they go, I know that. Good. And because I love you, this is the truth. And why has God done this for us? He has given us the truth about heaven, about hell, about sin, about salvation, all found in Christ. Why? Because He loves us. For God so... I'll try this again. For God so the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? He loved us. Yes, God is a God of truth. But He is love and He loves the truth and He loves to give the truth to us to reveal Himself because we only know Him by the truth. But the truth shows us His great love for us. And that should characterize the church. It should characterize the Christian. Do you love the truth today? Does the truth move you to love? Or does the truth merely cause you to go, well, I know one more thing that somebody else doesn't know. Lucky me. It shouldn't. Furthermore, we see that mature believers know how to handle this, and as we learn to speak the truth in love, as we mature in our understanding of the knowledge of the Son of God, this begins to cultivate our usability as a Christian and as a church, and it cultivates our unity within the church. Lastly here, verse 13 through 16, we see this. Not only are we to be maturing in our usability and our understanding, but in our unity. Now, we talked about this the past few weeks. We already have unity. It's already there. We don't create it. We merely cultivate it. We make sure that the weeds that grow up to choke it out, that we rip them out. We don't just spray some weed. We spray weed killer. We stomp on it. We dig it up. We get it out of there. That's what we need. We need to cultivate the unity. And we find that mature believers who are growing in an understanding and usability are actively cultivating unity. Here's, here's for an example. 
Immature Christians make what? Immature church. An immature church is an unusable church. I can tell you this, those that don't give to missions and those don't actively witness are immature and make a church immature and unusable. You say, what an unusable church. Jesus says to the church in Revelation, if you don't get some of them, he says, if you don't get this straight now, I will take your candlestick. You know what that means? I will take your light from you. You will be no more. He doesn't say I'll take your salvation away. But it's the idea of, like the Old Testament, Ichabod is written on that door, uh, that sign of that church, and it's the glory's departed. The usability's departed. It's just a country club. It's just the people that gather together that just want somebody to marry them and bury them. That's not a church. That's immaturity. Immature Christians make immature churches. Immature churches are not only unusable, but they are without understanding. We don't want to know anything more. We know what we need to know, and that's it. All I know is I'm saved. Jesus is going to come back. That's it. I'm holding on. I don't want to hear nothing else. That's not good. Matter of fact, those who are without understanding are the first ones to always say, well, we ain't never done it that way before. Some dangerous last words of a church. That's dying. We also find that immature churches are not only unusable and without understanding, but they are without unity. They are full of disunity. They're the first ones to close up. They're the first ones to divide. They're the ones that split over churches, over preferences, over all sorts of things. Why? Because they're without understanding and they are not putting themselves to use for the glory of God. Dustin Binge writes, Unity is critical because it fosters maturity, doctrinal stability, discernment, a loving vocabulary, Christ-like growth, church-wide equipping, and spiritual building. Our oneness reflects Christ who beams forth His glory in every sphere of the church to make her increasingly beautiful. Mature believers in churches cultivate unity in Christ. Mature believers are able to forgive those who wrong them. Mature believers are able to give grace to those who left. Mature believers are able to love on those that come. Mature believers are able to simply be a part. Mature believers live in the body. Mature believers are able to disagree without being disagreeable. Mature believers are able to do an awful lot. Wherever we find, though, that immature believers, immature believers love strife. They love drama. They love gossip. They love when people fall. They love it when people leave. Give them something to talk about. Immature believers love it when people come because they get to go, ooh, I've seen them before. Where'd they go? Where'd they go to church before? You know, all the immature believers love that stuff. Mature believers don't look for that. Mature believers look to Christ. Mature believers look to know Christ and make Him known. Unity, what we find is that it's built upon truth and love. We find that unity, as we dealt with earlier on in this chapter, is built upon these doctrines that are found in chapter 4. And ultimately, we find that we are to grow up together in the fullness of Christ, that we are to be, uh, verse 16 talks about this, the whole body fitly joined together, compacted, that every joint supplieth according to the effects of working, the measure of every part, making increase of the body, and the edifying of itself in love. We find that we are to be truthful. 
We are to be loving, and we are to be united under these things. J.C. Ryle once said, Unity without the gospel is worthless unity. It is the very unity of hell. We must unite upon the truth. But being united in the truth should unite us in love, not merely about the truth, but for one another. Why? Why should we love one another in here today? Because you love the same truth of Christ and His gospel and His work that I do. That means this. It unites us together. And mature believers seek just that. And mature believers see that every member matters and makes the body move in unity and understanding and usability to the glory of God. The body is dependent upon the head and directed by the head. Who's that? Not me. It's Christ. Mature believers are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mature believers seek that the church, the ministry of the church, and the maturity of the church would be yielding moment by moment to the headship and lordship of Christ. Each believer is responsible to do their part. And mature believers not only know that they got a part to play, mature believers not only know what part they do play, but mature believers play their part. Not everybody can be a quarterback. Not everybody can be a wide receiver. Not everybody can be a star point guard. Not everybody, but you got your part. Not everybody's on, not everybody's on the starting five. Not everybody's on the starting field. Well, you know, everybody's got their part to play, don't they? The moment you see that you've got your part to play is the moment that you need to start doing your part. Not play acting your part, but faithfully living out by the grace of God what He's given you to do. To the edifying of the body. To the maturing of the body. You should care about the maturity and walk of your brother and sister in Christ as much as you care about your own. We find that love builds and unites this body together. A love for God and a love for one another. Let me ask you today as we bring this to a close. Right now, would you be honest and and just look at your heart right now. Look at your life right now. Are you spiritually maturing or are you spiritually immaturing? We are one or the other right now. We are either growing deeper in a matured knowledge of who God is we are either going in a mature commitment to Christ and His church or we are immaturing. Do you exercise your gifts? Do you help others to mature or do new believers irritate you? Do new people in the back irritate you? Do new people that you don't know or, or do the sounds and the noises or the new things at church, does it just irritate you and rub you wrong? Or do you find that you go, oh, praise God for what He's doing. Let me help. God wants me to be a part of this building and maturing of the body. Let me ask you, have you grown complacent with your spiritual growth? Are you satisfied with how mature you are? Are you satisfied with how much you know Jesus Christ today? Do you know all that there is to know about Jesus? Have you done all that there is to do for Jesus today? Of course not. Let me ask you, As we said at the beginning of this service, all of us when we were little kids said, I can't wait to grow up. Let me ask you today, dear believer, what's your attitude about maturing? Do you want to mature in Christ? I know what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to be able to eat the bread 
and meat of His Word, to drink of the water that He offers to us to maturity. So that as we mature, we mature not merely in a usability and an understanding of Him and for Him, but in a unity together to reflect His unity, to reflect His glory, to go with the Gospel of Christ. We will only move, dear church, as much as we mature. And I believe this, that God begins to move us to maturity so that He can move us to win the lost, to disciple the saved, to do what He's called us to do in His Word. Are you playing your part in that today? Or have we grown cold, complacent, or indifferent? Let's all stand this morning. This altar's open. We've got a time of invitation. First of all today, if you need to know Christ, if you need to be born again, if you need to be born again into the body of Christ, the family of God, would you come, let me take the Bible and show you Jesus. It's very simple. You must simply repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ. He came, He bled, He died, He rose again for your sins as we talked about because He loves you. Would you trust Him today? Would you be born again? Those of you though, as this piano plays, this altar's open. Dear, dear child of God, dear saved soul, are